Well, what's up, everybody? How are you today? Are we good? Hey, I want to make sure you saw what Aaron was talking about, that this week we will be complete with our Waymaker project. It's done this week. And so next Sunday, we want to celebrate that with you guys. We're going to have a party after the service. Uh, we'll end a little bit earlier than usual. We'll go out there. We got free, we got in and out coming free free food from in and out food trucks are coming so you can grab some lunch and check out the park let the kids play hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer than it is uh today so that should be a, a good time man isn't that a good thing that we got that thing done we excited about that hey today i want to uh preach about um something that i think is probably the most challenging message for you that I've ever preached before. Uh, in fact, I think that there's a really good chance that we're going to listen to what God's word has to say, and we're going to be very tempted to walk away and do nothing about it. Uh, I think you guys are a great church and very responsive for the most part to the challenges that we give ourselves, but like this one's hard to swallow. And so, uh, but I do think that if we decide to take it seriously, listen to God's word and make some changes, like it, it could, it could really alter our entire life. Um, it's going to be like drinking out of a fire hose. Cause I've got about 10 hours of stuff that I'm trying to squeeze into 25 minutes. So let me back up a little bit. We are in a series right now called for the health of it, where we're talking about what it means to be a healthy individual and instead of turning to the latest and greatest program we're turning to God's word to see what he has to say about being healthy about being fit and let me tell you something God's word says a lot it talks about our emotional health our spiritual health our physical health the health of our heart our relational health and today I want to talk about our physical health anybody just kind of squirm in their seat a little bit just now because listen, I, it's not really fun to talk about. Nobody really wants to talk about their physical health. Uh, I, I don't. I'm convinced that no one really likes to work out. I, I think that if you're the type of person where you're going, I love to work out. I think you're a liar. I think what you like is the results of working out. What you like is the endorphins you receive after working out. What you like is to post on social media that you are working out, right? But if you're just sitting there going, I love to run. I just love running. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think you like to tell people that you run. I think that's what you like. We have a couple of staff members that are really into running. They, well, Our facilities guy, director of facilities, his name's Cliff, and he runs these 100-mile races. It's where you run for 100 miles. And he does these ones where you run 24 hours straight in the woods. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. So uh, I know this might be kind of an unusual topic in church, right? But I'm going to take you on a journey. And to begin with this journey, we have to start with the gospel. We have to start with the good news of Jesus Christ. So throw up the verse that everybody knows, John 3, 16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal 
life. Let's say it together as a church, okay? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I was reading something this week that said this is the greatest promise. And it broke it down like this. God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest number. He gave the greatest act, his only son, the greatest gift. And whoever, the greatest invitation, believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, shall not perish the greatest deliverance, but have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. So what does John 3.16 mean for you and me? Well, to break it down as simple as possible, it means that you are valued, that God sees your value as so high that you are worthy of his son. And we have to believe that. If we're going to spend some time talking about our health, whether that be emotional health or physical health, we have to believe that we are valued. If we don't believe that we are valued, that we are worthy, then, then why would we take care of ourselves? What's our driving factor? Have you ever thought that our self-image is keeping us from being healthy? Because we take care of the things that we value, don't we? I take care of my house and my marriage and my truck. And I take care of my new Nike pandas, you know. And I take care of my kids most of the time. We take care of the things that we value. And so do you value yourself enough to take care of yourself? Because you're worthy of it. Why? Because God declared that you are worth his son. That's how valued you are. A dollar bill is worth a dollar bill. It's worth one dollar. doesn't matter if it's crushed up, torn, thrown in the trash, used at a strip club, used to buy drugs. A dollar bill is worth a dollar bill. Why? Because the U.S. Department of Treasury declared that it's worth one dollar. You are worthy of God's son. It doesn't matter if you've been torn up, pressed, crushed, made mistakes. You are worthy of God's son. Why? Because the creator of the universe declared that you are worthy of his son. You got to know your worth. We got to start there. We can't talk about you taking care of yourself and your health until you know your worth. And we also have to understand that because of your worth and value, you've been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Jesus. See, 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing a letter to the church there, and this church is doing some crazy things, and they're really divided. And he says this to them, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Everybody say, I am not my own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So like before Jesus Christ died on the cross, the God, people of God had a temple that they went to and God's Holy Spirit was at this temple and there was all these rules and regulations on how the temple was to be kept 
And who could go in there in the cleanliness of it? Well, Christ died on the cross, and the Bible says when he did that, the curtain that separated the temple from the rest of God's people was torn in two, symbolizing that God's spirit was no longer there, but that now he was in you, that you are the temple. You are the vessel of God's love. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Why? Because you are not your own. So now that we kind of have this like foundation of truth, that we start with the gospel, understand our value, understand that we are not our own, and we're to honor God with our bodies, let's talk about physical health. I'm not going to give you a workout plan, and I'm not going to give you diet restrictions, okay? Instead, I want to talk about your physical rest, because rest is the foundation to physical health. And I think we do a really poor job at resting. So there's lots of benefits from rest, right? There's uh, rest improves your immune health, strengthens your cardiovascular system, decreases your blood pressure, repairs your tissue, reduces stress and anxiety, decreases inflammation, restores energy, lowers weight gain, improves your mood. So like I could do a whole TED Talk on the physiological benefits of resting. I'm sure there is a TED Talk out there that you could find. But you know, God showed us the importance of rest and how to rest from the beginning of the Bible. This is before it was new to science, it God, God understood this and God spoke about it. In fact, it's one of the few times that in the Bible, we not only see a commandment from God, but God goes as far as giving us a formula and how to be successful in keeping this commandment. He's very specific when it comes to rest. So if you ever find yourself in a place where you think, man, I wish God was more specific. You know, if you find yourself really passionate about a topic and you think, I just wish Jesus would speak about this topic. I got good news for you. When it comes to rest, he does. He gets very detailed on how we are to rest. So if you're a little slow on the uptake like I am sometimes, that's good news for us. I can't dive into a message on rest until I open up the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 and see what the writer has to say. He says, Heaven and earth were finished, down to the last detail. By the seventh day, God had finished his work. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day. He made it a holy day. Because on that day, he rested from his work. All the creating God had done. This is the story of how it started of heaven and earth when they were created. Isn't it crazy that we can read passages like this? And all of you could have told me, if I asked you, how many days was the earth created? You could have told me. He created it in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. We all know that. Isn't it crazy that sometimes we think we don't need rest? Are you more, are you busier than God? Are you more important than God? And of course, God doesn't get tired, but he was resting and relaxing because he was modeling for us what we are to do. 
We are a workaholic, productivity-obsessed, on-the-go culture. Studies have shown we get less rest today than ever before. On average, we get two hours less of sleep than we did 50 years ago. We are a sleep-deprived nation. And uh, honestly, I believe it's because we don't know how to rest. I really think that. So we're going to talk about that today. Let me give you a little bit of a quiz, though, because you may be sitting there thinking, I, I don't know if I'm a busy person or not. Like, am I, do I rest? Does this really apply to me? So let me give you a quiz, okay? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just be truthful in your heart and answer these questions. Do you feel like you're always in a hurry? Is your to-do list unrealistically long? Do you use days off to catch up on, on unfinished work? Has someone ever told you to slow down? Here's a good one. Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you have to get sick to take time off? Are you always thinking about your next calendar event? We're going to talk about how to rest in just a second, but this is an important principle that changed my perspective. You see, God desires for you to be successful. I believe that. He desires for you to succeed. He desires for you to grow in whatever area that he has placed you in. I think you should work really hard, whether you're a, a stay-at-home parent, an attorney, a truck driver, a spouse, grow. Grow your business, grow your network, succeed, flourish, work hard. But God is more interested in growing you than you are growing it. See, his, his ultimate goal is to grow you. And anything that God has breathed life into has to rest if it's going to grow. In fact, a lot of times the only difference between being stressed and feeling blessed is rest. And you know, like resistance to rest is really immaturity. You ever notice your kids always trying to stay up later than they should? And they got this slow blink going on and the head nod. I, my kids begged to stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve. Just begged. And I was going to let them. I was going to let them. Uh, the plan was we were going to stay up till midnight. Uh, until about 10 o'clock hit. And they started crying and they started screaming. They were running into walls. One kid was throwing up. Another kid had his eyes rolled so far back in his head he could see his underdeveloped frontal lobe, and it just, it hit the fan. It just did. And I finally had to tap out. I said, okay, we are going to bed. 10 o'clock, I'm sorry, we're going to bed, right? No, I'm not tired. I can stay up. I can stay up. And their eyes are drifting down. I mean, resistance to rest is just immaturity. So how do we rest? It's a great question. How do we not just rest, but rest in the goodness of God and relax and be present and take it slow? So I got two, two ways for you, okay? Well, the first way is this. You have to learn how to be content. You have to learn how to enjoy what you have. Uh, because a lot of our unrest is due to our desire for more. 
more and more and more stuff. Philippians 4.12 says this, so this is Paul speaking. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty, but I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in rest. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So this is a famous passage, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. If you're a high school athlete, I'm so sorry to tell you this is not about scoring a touchdown or winning a game or running that half marathon that you've been preparing for for three years, okay? This is about learning how to be content. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. You can even learn how to be content in life. Actually, a lot of times, you know, we spend the first half of our life sacrificing our health to gain wealth, and we spend the second half of our life sacrificing our wealth to get health. It's kind of jacked up. Uh, so here is here's the way that we learn how to be content. You have to get good at verbalizing what you are grateful for. Just on your way to work or in the mornings. Saying out loud, God, I'm so grateful for my family. Just meditating on that for a while. I'm so thankful for my house, my, my shelter, and food, and groceries, my family. See, the only way, the only reason you got to a place of discontentment in any area of your life, your job or your marriage, any area of your life, is because you spent more time thinking about what you don't have than what you do have. That's the only reason you got to a place of discontentment. And so you got to learn how to flip the script on that. And the way you get to a place of contentment is focusing more on what you do have than what you don't have. Here's the other way that we learn how to rest. Limit your work day, limit your work to six days a week. If you're not doing this, if you're not dedicating a day to rest and relaxation, you're breaking one of God's Ten Commandments. And it's up there with adultery and murder and lying. Some of you say, I would never murder somebody, but you're going hard seven days a week. And you're not taking time to rest. It's, it's wild, man. It's like God, rest is so important to God that he put it in the top ten. That's how important it is. to I me. Mean, anybody a bow hunter in here? Anybody? We have any bow hunters? Anybody? Come on, this is Argyle, Texas. Got a couple of bow hunters, yeah. Ryan, a couple of wannabe bow hunters. <laughs> what happens if you don't unstring your bow occasionally? It loses its tension, right? We got to unstring ourselves occasionally, or we're going to lose our strength. In fact, a lot of times, rest is our greatest weapon. To give God my best requires rest. To give God my best requires rest. You're never going to be able to love God and love people like you were created to do unless you rest. That's a fact. Exodus 23, 12 says, work for six days and rest the seventh so your ox and donkey and your servant and migrant workers may also have time 
to get their needed rest. So this isn't just a law applying to, there's some things in the Bible that are laws that just applied to the people of God, the Israelites during that time. This is not one of them. God says this is for everybody. He says even your animals need rest. Everybody needs rest. Exodus 29 through 11 says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work. Your son, your daughter, your servant, your maid, your animals, your foreign guests. For six days, God made heaven and earth and and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as holy. It's called a Sabbath is what it's called. And Sabbath means day of rest. Now listen, this whole idea of having a day of rest is not for God. It's like any commandment he gives us. If we don't keep a commandment God has given us, it doesn't hurt God. It hurts us. And so the Sabbath is not for God. The Sabbath is for you so that you don't get burnt out. Jesus said in Matthew 2, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, it doesn't matter what day you take a Sabbath. Uh, It might be a Sunday. You might be working on a Sunday. I work on Sundays, so I don't take my Sabbath on Sundays. A lot of times, my Sabbath is on a Friday uh, because that's the day the kids are in school, and I can just take some time to uh, relax and spend time with Alex and just kind of hang out at the house. I will challenge you with this, though. Call it a Sabbath. Don't call it a day off. If you call it a day off, you're going to cheat on it. Call it a Sabbath. So you might be asking the question, well, what do we do on our, on our Sabbath? We just sit around and watch trash TV? I don't know, maybe. Here's three things that you should do on your Sabbath. You ready? Rest your body. Recharge your emotions. Refocus your spirit. I'll give it to you, those three again, okay? Rest your body. Recharge your emotions. Refocus your spirit. Rest your body. How many of you know that if you don't take time off, your body will make time off? Isn't that true? You gotta rest your body. Recharge your emotions. What recharges you? This is different for everybody. I, it could be uh, just eating some good meal, uh, sleeping, quietness, being alone, it might be being around people for you. Uh, I know for introverts, that's hard to believe, but some people actually get re-energized being around other people. It might be recreation, so maybe some some pickleball or some golf, right? I, for me, that stresses me out because I'm so competitive, I just get angry, right? So that's not that's not like relaxing for me. But whatever it is, find something that recharges your emotions, and then refocus your spirit. Now, I think that one of the greatest ways to refocus your spirit is by spending time with the Lord. Changes my perspective. Gets my head in the right spot. So if Sunday is your Sabbath, then I think it's fantastic. You come to church, you worship, you get an encouraging word, you refocus your spirit a little bit, right? But if it's not, if Sunday's not your Sabbath, that's okay. Just spend some time with the Lord during your Sabbath. Just 10 minutes, refocus 
your spirit a little bit. Now, I'll tell you this. This requires you to schedule it. You have to schedule your Sabbath. You, it will not happen if you are not proactively putting it in your calendar and making sure everybody around you knows this is my day of rest. Now, this is important for everybody, but I'll tell you who it's, who it's really important for is those who are self-employed. If you're self-employed, scheduling, you have to schedule a day of rest. You got to put it in your, you're, you're going to bring your work home all the time if you don't. So this is kind of crazy, right? But like God promises that if we're obedient in this area, he will actually give us more time. It's kind of like generosity. Like he promises that uh, if we're generous with the 10%, he will bless the 90%. Uh, in the same concept, same principle, if, if you trust him with the one day, he will bless the six days. He will give you more time. And you know, our unwillingness to rest, our hurry and our scurry and our busyness, a lot of times it comes from our lack of understanding of how good God is. That he will take care of you. That he will provide for you. That he is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, he's a good shepherd. Psalms 23, it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Uh says he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. God is a good shepherd, but to give God our best requires rest. Let me, let me end with this story. Uh, it's in the Old Testament and it's about a prophet named Elijah. It's in 1 Kings, and let me just read you the story, and then I'll tell you what I get from it, okay? Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. At once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some uh, bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached her, the mountain of God. So this is kind of crazy. Like Elijah was on the verge of suicide. He was so depressed. He was so afraid, so scared. He was just begging for God to end it all. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. I've been there before where it just has all felt like way too much, and you're just begging God to end it all. But God had just got done 
performing miracle after miracle after miracle through Elijah's life. So this had nothing to do with God's active presence inside of him. It had everything to do with the fact that Elijah was just burnt out. He was just tired. And the angel of God came to him and commanded him, eat and drink and take a nap. And it says that that snack and that nap gave him enough energy for 40 days where he could go to a mountain and meet with the Lord. And so listen, this is kind of, it's funny, but it's true. Like what I get from this passage is never underestimate the power of a snack and a nap. Because you need it. You need it. 